This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Well, welcome to the Mud Her Podcast. I am delighted today to have as my guest, uh, Jessica Falcon. And I'll be sharing a little bit about her, but I just want to say welcome. And I'm so glad you could be on the show today. Thank you. Me too. I'm so excited to be here and have another delightful conversation with you. <laughs> yes. So we met, you know, we found each other as happened so often, right? Social media wise, it's like, wait, I love what you're doing. Wait, I love what you're doing. And we had this amazing conversation. So we said, yes, we must make a podcast of this. <laughs> so let me just say a few things. And, and we'll, of course, in the show notes have ways to learn more about you and people are going to find out about you. I'm so excited for my audience to discover you as I have. But by way of hearing a little bit about Jessica before she shares herself. So Jessica was a criminal prosecutor, an attorney for seven years, left that profession in 2013 and went into just a big shift. And I don't want to say too much about, you know, your, your shift into what you're doing now, but really a deep initiatic type experience, but a deep learning, growing, shifting, and really connecting with yourself and what matters to you and what's important in the world and through your studies and civilizations, religious history, mythology, um, you wrote a book and that book uh, culminated the, the prosecutor, prostitute, priestess. And I'm so excited to have people hear what that was all about and what, you know, the name is captivating, you're captivating. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you now, share about this journey that I just <laughs> teased up for everyone. Yeah, thank you. Um, there's so much to say, as you know, it's a whole book, so I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Uh. <laughs> so I was a criminal prosecutor and attorney for seven years, though it feels like many, many lives ago that I was in that world because mm -hmm. it's so different than the world I'm in now. And when I was in that world, I went to law school because as a woman, I felt like having a law degree behind my name would make people listen to me Yeah, because clearly I wasn't feeling like as a woman, people were listening to me. <laughs> and I think that many of us can resonate with that feeling. Yeah. You know, I remember thinking, you know, men don't need degrees to be heard, but women do. And I was even talking with a client yesterday from Saudi Arabia who mm. felt the same thing. That's why she went to go get her PhD because she felt like this is how I get listened to. And that's just the unfortunate reality, right? Yeah, totally. That we've been in for so long. And so I went to law school to do women's rights and had no idea I'd come out being a prosecutor which is not something I ever intended or planned. You know how life always directs you into yes. these different, you know, beautiful opportunities. And very long story short, I took the role as a criminal prosecutor because I felt so passionate about 
giving people a voice mm. uh, that didn't have one. Victims who were harmed and justice is something I'm so incredibly passionate about. Yeah. So in many ways, my journey now and the work I do is parallels that, right? Because I'm giving voice to the divine feminine, which has been denied and repressed for thousands of years. So in many ways, I'm doing the, a very similar thing of creating balance. A different format, yeah. Justice, just a totally. very different format. And so while I was a prosecutor, I had all sorts of things that started to wake me up and shake me up, questioning the world in ways I never had before. One was a flood in 2008, in which I literally lost almost everything I owned in a matter of hours, including my car was destroyed. The whole bottom floor of a condo I just purchased was destroyed. Every CD, every photograph, you name it, just furniture. It looked like massive tornadoes had gone through the house and Mm -hmm. it was five feet of water inside had to be rescued by firefighters. I was in the middle of a massive jury trial and couldn't clearly even get into work because I couldn't even get off my street for hours. And so, and this is in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is just crazy. It was a flood zone in that area, flood plain mm. in the area. And so happened incredibly unexpectedly. And suddenly I found myself homeless. I had a place to stay, but without a home for seven months mm. while it was being repaired suddenly no car, suddenly only the clothes on my back. Suddenly I'm barefoot with a cell phone in my hand and nothing else. And I can't even get back into my house to have a single other possession. And so I'm going, oh, wait, what is life really about? Like what really matters here? And people flooded, like ironically flooded in, you know, to help me and support me. And here you can stay here. And do you need a car for a few days? And helping me in many ways. Hmm. And I started to feel this, this love and support that I hadn't really been used to receiving. And while I was staying in a friend's garage apartment for the seven months, I went into a bit of a depression of Mm. nothing making sense anymore, including why I was getting up and going to work and what the purpose of it all was. So that really started it. And then I ended up finding her bicycle in a garage and being like, oh, this is, I haven't ridden a bike in years. So I started riding the bike around the neighborhood. And eventually I kind of go, I find my own used bike, like a used bike sale. A funny little tidbit, the guy that sold me the bike later became a boyfriend for a while, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Yeah. And um, I was at work one day telling a woman I just bought this used bike. And she said, well, my husband and I are going to do a hundred mile bike ride in September. This was April or May. Would you like to join us? And I'm like, well, I've gone two miles. Sure. I could do a hundred by the fall. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bike because I needed something to get me out of the rut I was in. I needed yeah. something that wasn't just work and that kind of dark space of, of questioning and questioning and questioning and not having answers. And so I had started meditating at this point because it was one of the ways that I was finding more meaning in my life at the time. And I do this, you know, these long bike rides regularly to train for the hundred mile race. And it was a charity race. And as I was doing these long rides, it was the first time in my life where I really felt like my mind and body were in sync. 
Mm. And my mind wasn't the only thing running the day that my body, this rhythmic motion and being out in nature and just for hours on end on the bike, brought me into a new state of a meditative way of being in the world where my head wasn't the only thing involved. And then we did the 100 miles. It was 103.1 nice. miles to be exact. Wow. I remember being so excited, feeling completely invincible. Like I could do anything in the world if I wanted. If I could do that, yeah. If I could do that. And then about a month, two months later, Thanksgiving, I went home to visit my family and I took my bike and a friend of my mom's invited me to go on a bike ride. And so I said, sure, like, I'm not really familiar with the roads around here, but let's go. It was a beautifully sunny day for November. And on the ride, I ended up in a severe bicycle accident Mm. that could have easily killed me. And a metal chain, really thin little metal chain went right into my chin, several inches in and ripped my my face. And so (laughs) I fell off the bike, hit the pavement. And I, I still have the scar, scar from it. Yeah. about 25 stitches later, no mm. broken bones. Amazingly, no broken jaw. Amazingly, but it hit me. One of the only places that didn't kill me said so it hit me a few inches below. I would have been out for the count. Yeah. <laughs> so it left me basically without being able to eat or move mm. for uh, a week or more. And I was staying at my mom's house because I'd been there for Thanksgiving And a few days after the surgery, I was able to take off the bandage for the first time. And so I go into the half bath. I kind of walked there, shuffled there from the living room chair. I was sitting upright most of the time and shuffled into the half bath. And I had this big bandage on my face. And so I'm looking in my eyes and I take off the bandage and I realize my whole face is completely deformed. It's sticking out to the right. Everything is red and big and swollen. And I couldn't recognize the face in front of me. Mm. And in that moment, I continue looking in my eyes and my whole body knew so deeply on a cellular level for the first time in my life, I am not my body. Mm. I am not my body. I am this eternal soul having a deep experience in my body. Yes. And that began to shift everything because of the. Yeah, how so? What, 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 so that's a huge realization, first of yeah. all, you know, and, and to make that distinction that, well, you can say more about, well, what am I if I'm not my body? So, you know, I'll have you go into that. But, you know, this is one of those the flood kind of got it open It opened the floodgates, I guess, so to speak. Right. And open this space so that you could have this space and yeah, keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it really shifted my awareness about life yeah. because I think we experience life based on our perspective of life itself. And, and, and so when we see mm-hmm. life as purely physical, purely 3d, we live very differently than when we have the perspective that we are divine beings having a physical experience. Yes. And I had been connected to my soul from a very young age when I had experienced events where I felt like there was this opening into other worlds. I kind of started to experience a little bit of that, like feeling like there were angels or feeling a presence Mm -hmm. around me and, and various things. But I hadn't yet 
I was still living a very 3D physical life. I was still very much living my life based on I go to work and I do my job and I do these things. And, and you know, I go to work and I put people in jail and I prosecute cases and I'm busy and I'm this and I'm focused so externally on the world that I wasn't giving my internal world time and attention and space. Mm-hmm. And the bicycle accident woke me up to, whoa, there's a lot more here. Yeah. What am I living? Why am I living? Why am I here? Asking those existential questions even more deeply than I had after the flood of, oh, so what is it that my soul is desiring of me in this life? And what is it that really matters to me? And so as I started going through the healing journey, um, I had been lifting weights a lot. And mm-hmm. the physical therapist was like, no, you can't be doing that anymore. Not right one, not while you're healing. So I need you to do yoga instead. And I was like, okay. no, yoga. I don't really want to do that. You know, um, I tried it like one time and didn't have a good experience years mm. prior. And so I had just written it off. Uh, now I'm a yoga instructor. So clearly, <laughs> clearly something changed. Clearly something something changed. Sh- you had a new experience with yeah. it. Yes. I started moving more slowly. I started moving more intentionally. I started Mm. connecting my mind and body in a more direct way than I had, Um, even on the bike. I was using my breath. I was going inside and I started doing um, nervous system work and emotional healing work because I began to feel. Mm -hmm. And as I began to feel, I began to realize I have all these emotions and all these other experiences that are coming up. And I started to see myself in a very new way. And I think that's a huge part around the feminine that I'm incredibly passionate about because, you know, as a feminist bulldog in a skirt prosecutor, I was so convinced that I had to be powerful by being devoid of emotion. Mm Mm-hmm. And that feeling made me weak because we've been told this for thousands of years <laughs> that yep. feeling is what women do and they're weak because they feel, because they care, because they cry. And I was so adamant. I remember thinking this, that I'm not going to be like that because I'm strong. I was so convinced right? that's the impression what our culture so, tells us. Yes. The impression is so internalized that we as women consider ourselves weak for feeling. Right. As if it's the heart that doesn't feel. Because when we're, our heart is open, we feel. Yeah. It's our superpower. It's everyone's. Yeah. Women and men's superpower yeah. are emotions. But given that I think we're, you know, the more accessible and the conduit to it, like, when a patriarchal culture steps up, we want to diminish anything related to feminine power and our emotions are more on the feminine yin side Mm -hmm. of things. So Mm -hmm. not at all surprising, right? Yeah. And so much of my own particular research really has helped me understand that the root of so much of this denial of the feminine way of being is so deeply embedded in this denial of life itself as sacred. And so when we don't see life as sacred, when we see spirit as only existing out there somewhere up there, separate from ourselves, separate from ourselves, then we have to go 
up there, out of here, out of the body to be spiritual, to be connected, to be divine. And so when we go up and out of the body, we go up and out of the feminine, we go up and out of earth, we go up and out of life, we go up and out of our feelings, we go up and out of our heart even. Mm -hmm. And that split, which happened well over 5,000 years ago, took many years to actually come into fruition, but that split is what we're still experiencing the result of now in the internalization of that oppression that was instituted very intentionally to keep women from being in power because only those made in the image of a male God, which was a new warring sky God that started to be put in place around 3,500 BC, between 5,000 BC and 3,500 BC. So because of that, we lost the feminine face of the divine. Mm -hmm. And this seems so out there in some ways, you know, when we talk about this, like, oh, the goddess, the divine feminine, it's become a little woo-woo sometimes in new age society, but it's really not woo-woo. Exactly. And just as you say that, it's really striking me, Jessica, that by labeling now, now we've labeled how we're trying to bring it to the forefront as woo-woo, right? Mm -hmm. So it's still, you know, we have to apologize still, you know, for what, what we're talking about here, which is our emotions, the feminine, like the, right, you know, universal love, any of that, like, Oh, sorry, if I'm being a little woo, it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not sorry. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, so I'm just making that connection that I have caught myself doing that saying, Mm -hmm. Oh, made some woo. -woo." It's like, who started calling it that again, you know, these subtle ways that we diminish the power of what we're talking about here, the divine feminine, our emotions, you know, anything in that realm that -hmm. takes us out of our, you know, more masculine framework. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, now we'll call it woo woo. It used to be witchcraft and you get burned for it. Now you're just, you know, oh, doing that woo-woo thing. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have more to say about that. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, we call it woo-woo because we think it's extra, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's different or it's weird or it's crazy or it, it doesn't really matter, actually. Yeah. It's just kind of that, like, if you've got the time, right? Like, I've, e- I've even been told, like, meditating is a luxury. Right. Oh, is it a luxury? Because in my mind, it's a necessity at this point in my life to be conscious is a necessity, right? It's a necessity. I love that. I think it was the Dalai Lama actually, who said, you know, has this very full, rich life, very busy man. Right. And he meditates for three hours before he starts his day. And people are like, how do you have time for that? He said, I can't not have time for that. (laughs) You know, it's, it's the most important thing. And mm-hmm. I think it reframes like what you're saying. It's not this extra thing. It's essential, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Particularly, you know, I want to clarify this quickly because we've been talking about, we started to introduce a little bit this split that occurred, right? Like yeah. spirit and matter and, you know, divine being outside, not within. So I just want to clarify that when I say meditating, I'm not talking about like just going up and out of the body to connect some other source that's outside of me, which is what we're so often taught. That's how meditation was introduced to me. When I'm talking about meditating, I'm talking about going into my heart, going into the wisdom of my body, 
going into my present experience so that I become aware of what's happening inside of me so that I can feel the emotions, energy, and motion coursing through me so that I can consciously navigate them and be with them and acknowledge them, which is ancient feminine wisdom, so that I can hear the voice of my soul, which resides in and through my body, so that I'm aware of the thoughts coursing through me so that they are not running me. I am choosing them. Because if we're not taking the time to sit with ourselves, to turn our eyes inward, yep. which is the feminine, then we are controlled by forces outside of us, be it another person, be it a government, be it a belief system, be it a thought, be it a habit, be it a pattern. We are controlled by the external until we know our internal world and then choose consciously how to respond, what to believe, what to think, what to feel, how to move, how to live our lives, not according to somebody else's expectations, but according to our own soul's truth. Mm -hmm. That's freedom. That's why I do what I do because right. we are so conditioned to do the opposite that we literally have to rewire ourselves literally rewire ourselves, our nervous systems, our thought patterns, our emotional responses, and our energetic template, mm -hmm. as I like to call it, so that we can become our own authority and truly own who we are instead of being enslaved, really, to the external Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo, meaning land of the goddess women, and coming to really take time for yourself, okay? And that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go? It's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? 
So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. Uh, I love what you're saying, Jessica, just and so powerfully putting this truth that everything we need is inside of us. We're, you know, doing these deep practices to yes, get to connect with our body, but our body is a spiritual entity, right? It's mm-hmm. made from the particles of the universe. You know, yes. we're, we are matter, but we're not separate. We're connected. And by going inside, and I think one of the most disempowering things is when we start believing that it's all outside of us, whether it's God or the expert in this or the, da, 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 like, you know, something out there is who I should listen to, what I should listen to, what a connect and, you know, little old me doesn't know anything kind of, mm-hmm. right. And right. But, and so I love, you know, what you're saying, because then we look at all of our work and our practices. Yes. You can be taught something and taught, you know, some ways to, and I think that's what, you know, you've spent so much time on or, you know, what are practices that connect us, but connect us within and within is where source is right? Mm-hmm. Source is not out there. So I think that's such an important thing. And, and when we had our conversation, you know, when I tie this to rewriting the mother code, it's exactly that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, but looking through the lens of us as women who mother, and we mother everything, all right, all feminine, caring and mothering, and whether that's as creator or destroyer, mother, that's within us. And how do we connect to that power? Because we've been told that you're only purpose here on the planet is to birth children and mother children. And that's why you're here. And it's like, if that was the only reason we were here, you know, we would, I guess, pop out a child and die, or I don't know, you know, there's, (laughs) there's like, that's so limiting, right. But that was another way to limit our power and limit, you know, what's possible, even though that's one beautiful way that we create, right. And I think it exemplifies the power of creation, but just what you're talking about, what's possible with us just within us and the fact that we can create a life within us you know partnering with the masculine um a partnership you know brings about life but that can manifest in so many different ways and i think that's something you've also exemplified and showed in your work is this is this is the story of creation person by person right and what we're creating and manifesting in the world and your work and that exemplifies that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love what you said that like we are matter and we are matter and spirit because spirit is contained in matter. And the lie is that we've been told spirit and matter are separate. 
Right. We've been told spirit exists outside, divine exists outside of matter out there somewhere. But when we unify, reunify, because the mm-hmm. ancients already understood this, we unify spirit and matter, then that includes in matter, includes in our bodies, meaning the divine, as you said, is contained within our bodies, is contained mm-hmm. within ourselves. So the source spirit universe is contained within us. We come of that. We are of that. And so when we go into the body, we access the divinity Yes, that is not only our own, but we access the divine. We access beyond time and space. We access infinite wisdom. And when we're going in and accessing this and listening to this, this is when intuition really comes up. This yes. is when we actually feel that gut instinct and that knowing because we are both primal, animal, human, matter, and eternal, divine, spiritual, holy, and pure. And the merging of that, that's my huge passion because That is the merging of the masculine feminine. That is the ultimate creation is when you have the unification to create new life. And that can happen within ourselves. That can happen to create a new being. It can create a new project. And it's the divine masculine that creates the container, the awareness, the space for the divine feminine creative life force energy to flow within And so when we merge these within ourselves, we have the consciousness, the ability to observe with the, the infinite wisdom and life force that we are playing together in ourselves. We access this immense truth and joy and liberation to Mm -hmm. create like what your soul came here to create had to come from within you. It has to come from within you because if it's not coming from within us, it means we're just regurgitating stuff from the outside and we're not creating anything like that. Right. We've been programmed. You know, it's another metaphor I use in rewriting the mother code is, you know, we're, we're programmed from our childhoods. We're programmed from our culture. That's been passed down, as you said, for thousands of years, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's wired in there. And I always, I love the movie, The Matrix, because I think it exemplifies it so amazingly, right? Like, no, we're, we're not living our own life. We're, we're playing at it uh, when, until, you know, we own and take ownership and responsibility, you know, for mm-hmm. ourselves, for our life, for this unification, for our own recoding and, you know, rewriting the program that, I guess, write over or get rid of, you know, as I'm thinking about it, like all these metaphors for, uh, for coding so that we know that that program is in there of our uniqueness, but how do I get at it? And I got to get rid of some old programming to live it and to experience mm-hmm. it. And you know it when you're connecting with it. Right. But yeah, then some part of our brain might say like, no, that's not it. Da, da, da. But, you know, as we keep reinforcing uh, that once we've had once we've tasted it, once we've seen it or experienced it, then we can keep going toward it and be around people that support you in it, you know, and support Mm -hmm. this way of being, which it sounds like you've also had some experience of, but, you know, breaking down the myths, really embodying uh, what those are and, and being willing to, you know, stand out and 
say what's true. And so for me, mm-hmm. and that is risky and vulnerable in our culture, but you know, I, I, I hope people are hearing, you know, just from your transformation, you know, through this process and how it's flowing through you and, and living through you and how you're embodying it. Cause it's really beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I really feel like when we, it is so hard and it is so vulnerable and we have these human parts, right. That are so scared of, of speaking our truth, as you were saying, and are, mm-hmm. are, are so afraid of owning these parts of ourselves, particularly the parts we have been told to shame or feel guilty totally. for or deny that it's only for me. It's only by coming into contact with my divinity, my divine power, my divine worthiness, that that is the anchor for moving beyond the physical fears, the human fears, into being able to reveal who I really am and embody it because that is the ultimate eternal truth, that shift in consciousness from I am subject to the will of others from the shift in consciousness to others get to decide my value to I decide my value. I decide my worth. I am divine. I experience the divine within me and no one can tell me otherwise. And it's that anchoring into our divinity that allows us to have that capacity to move beyond the fears we've been so programmed to have. And I want to swing it back to something you said earlier, you were talking about mothering and how, you know, we're, it's kind of like, we're told as women to like be mothers to children only. And that somehow that's our only role. And I know that's a huge passion of yours to do this work around what is mothering outside the context of just a child. And that's where I I believe so much of our work crosses even more deeply with each other because my research And my passion around this reclamation of the feminine within ourselves, men and women within ourselves as worthy, as holy, as sacred is the coding we were given is that woman only exists for man Mm -hmm. and other, and woman was not allowed to exist for herself. And so we were told we only existed to bear children. We were told We only existed for other and could not exist for ourselves because we were not worthy of existing for ourselves. And so as long as we as women are enchained to this belief, we will never be able to own, I maybe I don't want a child. We'll never be able to decide for ourselves what we really want and be our own authority if we continue believing that we are only here for the benefit of someone else. Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to believe that we're worthy of existing for ourselves because we matter, because we too are divine. Yes. And it, so much beautiful work has done, you know, s- feminism, suffragettes to like just start breaking open and breaking down some of these, you know, paradigms and, for a while, I think it was, you know, I had a slant of blame and anti-male or, you know, that, but I think that was necessary for a bit to like, kind of open up this space and for us to take responsibility to reclaim what you're talking about, right. To reclaim that, no, I am way more than 
what I give to others. You know, I'm way more than having a child and, you know, our capacity, but as you were saying, I want to go back to that too, is the interplay with the masculine feminine is what's powerful. You know, we don't want, it's not about like shifting the culture back to just goddess culture and men are below or the masculine is below. It's like, no, what happens when we partner? And I don't, I think there've been times in history and I've understand and, and have seen it to a degree and some ancient cultures. But once we get to that unification, wow, I don't even think we know. I mean, I think we have inklings of what's possible. And when that happens, I, I can't even say, I just feel, I just know, right. You just know and feel like that's where we're headed. You know, that, that is where we need to be headed. And I, I'm going to get a little practical here for a moment, Jessica. So I'm hoping people are jiving with us. And if not, I'm happy to hear that too. And you can, you know, people, I, I love getting in those conversations, but you, there's a particular way you're working with people to help support, you know, this awakening, this, this connection with ourselves. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much juiciness. I'd love to dig into from what you said, but I'll focus <laughs> a little bit on practical because <laughs> um, I'd love to talk about the masculine and feminine and all of that fun stuff. Um, well, we'll do more. The, we'll do more yeah. times. We'll, we'll do more. Yeah. <laughs> so on a practical level, the number one thing is getting into the body mm. because we are so conditioned to be in our head. And we are told the head is the end all be all <laughs> authority right. of our lives. And our head holds externalized belief systems only. Our head knows what we've been told to know. Until we drop into the ancient wisdom of our bodies, we're living by external truths, not our own. So the very first thing I do with every single client is get them into their body. And that's and what, also why- You have a I lot teach, of different, yeah, yoga is one way. Yeah, I teach it, very slow and yeah. yoga with deep breaths and long holds. I have online portal yoga classes where I, we do shaking. Sometimes we do energetic practices. Nice. We do sounding so, so that we are connecting our intention, our awareness or we're connecting our mind into the body to create space to allow what is in the body to rise up to our awareness so we're using mm -hmm. the masculine mind right like sure. we're, we're using that to go into the feminine body to create the opening the channel for the wisdom to rise and the body also holds the subconscious mind which is what is directing 95% of our behavior right. anyway. Yeah. And so when we go into the body, we create the space. What we also see is stored trauma. What we also see are stored stagnant emotions. What we also see are the subconscious belief systems and patterns. Because until we see them, we can't choose them. And until we choose them, we can't change them. And so we, or we can't change them to choose them, right. <laughs> depending right, right. on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going into the body through, I do a lot of guided practices to get clients into yeah. the body, energetic practices, emotional practices, connecting with feelings, going deeper into the feelings, going into 
um, memories stored in the subconscious around Mm -hmm. these feelings and when they came into us and how we can then lovingly acknowledge them and witness them and not to fix them, not to get rid of them, not to make them different, not to make them go away because that's still masculine. That's That's, forcing That's effort. Old model. Yeah. It's old model, but to be with through the lens of the heart. And it is that in and of itself, which can create magic. Mm -hmm. And it's just so so powerful. It's so powerful. And I know you're not going into a lot of specifics, but the modalities with our breath and air and inspiration and, you know, the, the fact that we're storing in our molecules, you know, and breath can release that the movement can release it. And, um, and isn't that so beautiful and cool, right? Like we're, yeah, we're, yes, we are holding on to all this stuff, but we're also our own healer, right? We have the total capacity and choice because you brought up choice, which is a big one for me. Like, we're choosing to hang on to it, you know, we're choosing, um, and then we can choose to let it go, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, and it takes practice, you know, you don't have one cathartic release and you're done. Right. Right. (laughs) But beautiful things can emerge and, and happen about that. Like, and I'm just grateful for the gift that you are and the gift that you're giving people. I'm going to ask how people can get in contact with you. And then I have one more question. So yeah, um, what are the ways that people can find you and, and learn more about and connect with you? Well, really quick, you said specific practices. Yeah. I just want to really quickly Sorry. give a super yeah, yeah. short specific practice Good. that yeah, you please can leave do. people with today is just to place your hands on your womb, on your belly, like an upside down V position, fingers pointed towards your feet and just place them on your womb and breathe into, bring your mind's eye, bring your awareness beneath your hands breathe into this space for five minutes a day, just breathing into your womb space, breathing into your belly, noticing the breath, speaking to her. I'd love to connect with you. What are you feeling? What do you need? What are you wanting today? And just connecting to the space inside of you is a very specific, very simple, very powerful practice to do. I love and that. I'm going to start that one. I mean, yeah. t- I have a little ritual where I do, but it's quick, but taking time to, yeah. Yeah. W- create womb that space. Room, build my relationship more intentionally with my womb. Yes. Yes. It. Yes. Yeah. I'm doing a 22 day activation, connect to the voice of your Great. womb starting in January. Cause it's so, I think when, if we have every person, I mean, cause men have energetic wombs, sure. but if we have every person on this planet connecting to their womb, we will be living in a very different world, <laughs> particularly 100%. when we realign the womb to our heart, which is a huge passion of mine because that split between our sexual centers and our heart is what created so much of this violence against women and sexuality rooted um, in anything but love. So that's a huge passion of mine is to reconnect those centers. And there's a free embodied meditation on my website to connect to the body. People want to access that. It's the path to sovereignty.com. I have information about portals of initiation on there as well for both women and men and a lot of videos and fun resources that people Mm -hmm. could look at as well. So wonderful. Yeah. Just your website is beautiful and you'll learn a lot just perusing your website. And then I want to invite and do hope that people 
take next steps and engage with you and talk with you. Okay. Last question <laughs> is what does rewriting the mother code mean to you? Oh gosh. Well, I know you in our conversations <laughs> and what we're talking about today. So I'm a little like, that's kind of what, where my mind is totally. going right You now. can just <laughs> underline what we've said. Yes. It's all good. You know, it's rewriting that you know, this, as you mentioned earlier, this idea that we exist only to be mother to someone else Mm -hmm. and that we get to mother ourselves, that we get to be our own mother. We Mm -hmm. get to, we get to offer ourselves all the love in the world. We get to offer ourselves all the compassion in the world. We get to offer ourselves all the nurturing in the world. We get to give ourselves that because we get to believe that we're worthy of that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh my gosh. That's a, it's kind of a beautiful summary of what, but it adds that whole layer of like, oh yeah, this, this whole process, everything we're talking about is mothering ourselves. I mean, that's this, that's the deep mothering of ourselves and you're naming it so beautifully. Thank you so much. It's so hard to end. I know we could go and go and go and go. I know. And we will. We'll have other opportunities for sure. But I'm so grateful for this one. And thank you for taking the time and and sharing your beautiful spirit with everyone who's listening. Thank you. It's been so much fun. And I'm so honored to have this conversation with you. I know we share such a deep passion for this. So thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.